You're listening to the Arsenal Church Podcast. To learn more about the Arsenal, go to thearsenal.church. And if you'd like to receive more content throughout your week, feel free to download the Arsenal Church app. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated my 42nd birthday together. Um, you guys were amazing. Somebody gave me a... Frank, was, did you give me a car? That, see, that's the type of people we need in this church. Um, Frank gave me a Porsche, Porsche 911. Um, it was a matchbox, but it was really cool. Um, I figured it was you, but I was like, who put this on my desk? Thank you. Um, yeah, so we, we did that. We celebrated my 42nd birthday. Um, and I remember thinking when I was a teenager how old 40 years old is. Like, anybody else? Um, don't answer that, Jackson. Um, Jaden in the back, my 19-year-old is like, yeah, that's real old. Uh, no, I do. I remember, like, when I was Jaden's age, looking at my parents and, like, they're 40? Like, they might die soon. Um, and now I'm like, I might die soon. Um, now, no, now that I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a couple years into my 40s. I, you know, I think the 40s have been really good. Like, I'm, I'm liking it. Um, some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm about to be in my 30s. Um, I can't believe it. Like, I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, this is my last year of my 20s. It's like, oh, man, it gets so much better after that. Um, you stop, like, trying to be friends with everybody because um, you don't have enough time for that. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I still try to be friends with everybody. But you, you, your 30s, I think, have been good. Um, and, and you, or I, my 30s were good. When you go into your 30s, people are like, this person I was talking to was like freaking out. I'm about to be in my 30s. I can't believe it. I'm going to be so old. And I'm sitting across from like, shut up. <laughs> like, um, you're not even like statistically halfway through your life yet. Like you're still at the beginning stages of this thing. Um, I'm halfway through now. Uh, like statistically speaking, I'm at 42 years old. I'm basically halfway to death. Uh, oh, hey, come on. Uh, over halfway to death. A couple years over. Um, if you're in your 30s, psh, you've got so long to live. Um, but around this time of year, right after a birthday, um, there's typically some reflecting that happens, thinking back, looking back on life, um, where I've been, how far I've come. Um, and today we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, if I look back even at 35, which seems so long ago, but it was seven years ago. We were starting this community in Southtown that we call the Arsenal. Um, I had no idea what I was jumping into. Um, I don't still. Seven years into it. Um, but some of the things I believed back then I, like, make me cringe now. Um, anybody else, like you look back and like some of the things you believe, you're like, what was I thinking? Um, I, I can actually, sadly, like in the, the position that I'm in and what we've done for seven years, I can actually look back at messages I wrote and read them or see or listen to uh, sermons that I gave. And I'm like, what was I talking about? Um, and, and some of you also can um, do this today just for fun. Uh, scroll back on your Facebook um, a few years. Uh, I don't know. My Facebook only goes back to like 2015, I think it was. Um, but even scrolling back there, like, it, it, it's very interesting. Um, like, actually, Rocio, go to the second picture. Uh, if I scroll back to my Facebook, I see this picture. 
I know, I know. Yeah, I had hair. Um, it was amazing. Um, I had a little bit of a faux hawk. It was in back then. One of those things I look back on, I'm like, what was I thinking? Mari <laughs> like, um, and I got married on the beach. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had hair. Um, I remember if I go a little further back, this, this is around this time. I'm 25. Um, I'm in the army. Um, I had hair. I had abs. It was, my knees didn't hurt, like, from nothing, like, getting up off the couch. Um, yeah, Maddie and I, at 25, Maddie and I were dating. Um, I hadn't quite convinced her to stick around for the long haul. Um, hadn't tricked her quite yet. Um, and it's interesting, like, continuing to just kind of look back, just, just look back on my life. Um, a couple years before this, um, and I didn't know this was going to happen today, so we'll get into it. But a couple years before that, I'm probably in the most like emotionless place of my life. Um, I'm getting ready to leave for a deployment to Iraq. I'm going through a divorce, I'm leaving behind a two-year-old. Some of you guys didn't know that. You're like, he's divorced and he's a pastor? We'll get into that. Um, I know. Um, it was something I swore I, I would never, it would never happen in my life, um, but it was happening. And in my guilt, in my shame, I turned off emotionally. Um, I've been I was told by people around that time um, that because of my decision and what was happening, I would never be used again by God, uh, that I'd lost my calling, um, that I would not be allowed to be in ministry. Uh, right before the military, I'd gone to Bible college. I'd planned on still being a youth pastor, being in ministry after this, um, this time, but uh, I, I was told I couldn't. This is not something that happened. I, I was not only losing um, a marriage, I was losing a calling um, on my life that I thought I was supposed to be doing. And yeah, interesting time. If I keep looking back, right? Intermixed throughout even just those last 20 years of my life are some of the best, happiest, life-giving moments. Some are the hardest, heartbreaking numbest moments of life, woven together all in the past of what has become my life and who I am today. So many different versions of Chad, if I look back, like different versions of who I was, what I believed, how I acted. I don't know, anybody else ever look back at your old self and wonder like, what was I thinking? Or maybe like, why did I believe that? Why did I act like that? Why did I do that? I know when, when I look back on my old self, like five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'm so different now. I've changed. I, I believed a lot of different things. I saw life differently. I saw God differently. I saw relationships differently. Everything was different. I can look back on different stages and times in my life and see the version of Chad that I was then. You ever look back at your old self? Like the old version of you. Think like, man, that version of me was weird. <laughs> like, like, Rocio, put up that last picture. That dude's weird. Like, what is he doing? Apparently, I thought I looked like the baby. Um, you ever look back and you're like, man, he was weird or, or, or was interesting or, or that version of me was hurting or that version of me was just so happy. You look back on the old versions of yourself. Psychological theorists have often put 
forth this notion that people, with, when they view their past selves, they actually view them as if they are other people. Theorist Michael Ross and Ann Wilson describe the past self as an interconnected chain of different individuals who vary in closeness to the current self. In fact, one recent paper showed that when describing their past selves, people sometimes use a third-person perspective as if they're viewing that distant self as another person entirely. You ever do this? Like, look back at, like, that Chad was weird, you know, like, Why did they, I, my past version, believe that, act like that, do that? Which I think are valid questions to ask. Like, why, why did you believe that? Why did the past version of you believe what you believed at that time? And for most of us, it would be, well, maybe because that's all I knew. Or that that's what everyone around me believed. And so that's what I believed. Or maybe that's just what worked for me at that time. Sometime in life, in life, things happen that are the realities. They, they make us, that happens in reality that make us question or wonder about something we believed or have believed before. Like for me, like I said, I got divorced. I lost my calling. I knew I had made some bad decisions in life, but couldn't reconcile the idea that my worst decision in life was what defined me forever with God. I didn't know what to do with that contradictory thought that I had. I had this belief, this thing that had been taught to me forever. Now I'd entered into reality. Something had happened, and I'm questioning all things about God. What, what do you mean you can't use me? What? Like, I'm, I'm the worst version of myself. That's how you see me? What happens when you begin to ask hard questions like this? Ask questions about your beliefs. What happens when you begin to change those beliefs? Things in reality begin to poke holes in the beliefs that you've grown up with. You're like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Some of us have seen maybe, maybe social media, things like that, this, this process called deconstruction, um, and then the subsequent reconstruction of faith. This idea that I'm taking my faith, I'm throwing it on the table, I'm deconstructing a lot of the beliefs that I had. Like, why did I believe this? Why did I believe this? Let me, let me, let me dive into this. And it's been demonized a little bit in a lot of churches. Um, I would call this just your faith journey. Um, this is what it looks like to do faith, to, to do life. Um, there are things in reality that begin to make us ask questions. And I, I think that's what faith's about. We're saying today about this mystery. I call it a journey of faith for us all, and it's all different. All of us have different journeys of faith. All of us have different realities that we face in life. And it begins to bring up questions about what we believe. We've been talking about these stories in Scripture where we can look at people that I think probably ask themselves questions similar to what I'm talking about today. Maybe they changed some thoughts and beliefs they had, even throughout Scripture. In fact, we see this. They struggle with an old belief. It creeps back in. We see how it engages in relationships with them when they're struggling with these old beliefs that they had, and they, they engage in a relationship where they, they knew better, but they began to act in an old way. We'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. We see in Scripture that these people, that we're reading their faith journey throughout this, these books, they argue, they debate, they're corrected, they even maybe argue with God. 
But the beauty, I think, of Scripture and what we're trying to convey, I think, in this series of talks that we're doing is that real, is these real-life faith journeys that we get to see play out in front of us. We get to read them. We get to see the faith journey of, of people. Not just perfect, cookie-cutter Christians, but real-life people in their context working through life, beliefs, relationships, failures, success, just, just life. We get to see it in the pages of Scripture. One of them is pretty well known to most of us. He was a fisherman. He was one of the first men called to be a disciple of Jesus. In fact, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, anybody grew up in the Catholic Church? Okay. If you grew up in the Catholic Church, let's see if you can answer this. He's considered to be the very first pope that began the Church of Rome and began the office of the papacy. Who, who, who is it? Come on, Catholics. <laughs> That's what, what do you say? That's why you're here. So in the, in the Catholic Church, this, this disciple, this disciple was considered to be the first pope. Uh, his name is Peter. Um, if you look back, Peter by the Catholic Church is considered to be the first pope. He was one of the leaders of the disciples. He was known to be pretty outspoken um, in this group of 12 that, that was with Jesus. He was one of the closest confidants to Jesus. He was in the inner three, Peter, James, and John. They were typically, if, if Jesus went away with with a close inner circle, these are considered them, Peter, James, and John. He's the only disciple, this is interesting to me, because he's the first pope, but he's also the only disciple that we know that during his time with Jesus was married. Um, which, like I said, is kind of interesting, because that's not allowed by the pope. Uh, but he's the only one that we know was married. I know that because in Matthew 8, verse 14, it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, the fever left, she got up, and she began to wait on them, or on him. So we know that he, he had a mother-in-law, yeah, she, he heals her, she gets up, and she starts making food, you know, like, uh, she's like, come here, let me get the, let me get these, anybody hungry? That's <laughs> like, um, like my mother-in-law, <laughs> she's amazing, it does, she's, that would be her, like, anybody want tacos? <laughs> yes, um. Only disciple that was married. He, he's the only one that we know walked on water with Jesus. Remember this story in, in Matthew 14, Jesus is walking on the water. He, he says, if that's really you, like, call me out to you. Peter goes out. He gets confused by the waves, gets worried by the wind, and he begins to sink. So he kind of walked on water, and then he just sunk. Um, he's also someone, he was a disciple. He had his name changed. He was Simon. Jesus changed his name to Peter. Um, he says like this in Matthew 16, but what about you, he asked. What, who do you say I am? Jesus is asking. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is, he, he's called the rock. Uh, not that rock, different rock. Uh, this is where we actually, the Catholic Church goes to um, for the beginning of the, the um, office of the Pope is that he would be the rock that the church is built on. Um, I think that's a bit of a mistranslation, but we'll move on. Um, right after that, Jesus actually rebukes him and calls him Satan. <laughs> like, get behind me, Satan. He looks at Peter in the face and says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, right after he called him the rock that he would build his church on. Uh, that's in Matthew 16. He then denied Jesus, knowing Jesus three times. We know this, like right before Jesus, uh, right after Jesus was arrested, he's going to the cross. Um, Peter is 
approached, they're like, hey, you're, you were with Jesus. And he says, no, three different times. In fact, the third time, he just starts cussing people out. Um, he's like, no, I'm not. And he gets beeped on, in the Bible. Um, we know that uh, one of the best parts about scriptures, I think one of my favorite stories, is the fact that Peter got beat in a foot race while he was running to the empty tomb of Jesus. Uh, John, in his chapter, in his book, the only, the only one of the Gospels that points this out is John. He says the, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved beat Peter to the tomb when they were running to go see if Jesus had actually... Um, did I say beat Jesus to the tomb? He beat Peter to the tomb. Jesus was already gone. <laughs> no, he, he, he's, he got beat in a race by John, so Peter's not super fast. Uh, we know he was a great preacher in Acts. He, he, he gives a message. There's 3,000 people um, whose lives are given to Jesus as he's preaching. Um, we also know that he had a hard time. as he Peter grew up a Jew, um, so he's a Jewish man. He lived under Jewish law. When he began to um, live and walk with Jesus, and right after Jesus had passed and then resurrected, Peter is teaching, and it, we see in Acts verse 10 that Peter's struggling with freedom from the old law. We see this in, in this way. I'll read it in Acts 10, verse 9. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. This is, this is Peter living under the law. He was not allowed to eat these things because they hadn't been blessed and, and considered clean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, which seems to be a trend in Peter's life. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. He had a struggle and a hard time of being free from the law. Jesus was trying to explain to him, or God was explaining to him, that, hey, you're free from that. Go eat. Go eat the food. You're free from the law. Probably one of the biggest moments, and I'm going to try and speed through this, one of the biggest moments in Peter's faith journey was we see in Galatians 2. Um, again, a struggle that Peter had with his own kind of deconstruction and reconstruction of his faith. Um, as a Jew, Jews were not allowed to eat or, or break bread with Gentiles, with non-Jews. They were considered unclean. And there's a part where... Peter had slipped back into an old version of himself, and Paul calls him out on it. In Galatians, Peter had been eating with Gentiles, and then we see this in Galatians 2, verse 11. But when Peter visited Antioch, he began to mislead the believers and cause them to stumble over his behavior. So Peter, being a leader in the church, his actions began to make these people in Antioch stumble, it says. And here's how. He enjoyed being with the non-Jewish believers who didn't keep the Jewish customs. His meals with them. With them. With time, the Jewish, the Jewish from Jerusalem. When he, when he withdrew from his non-Jewish friends, separated himself from them, acting like an Orthodox Jew, fearing how it would look to them if he ate with the non-Jewish believers. And so because of Peter's hypocrisy, many other Jewish believers followed suit, refusing to eat with non-Jewish believers. Even Barnabas was led astray by the poor example and condoned this legalistic, hypocritical behavior. So when I realized they were acting inconsistently with the revelation of grace, I confronted Peter in front of everyone, Paul says. You were born a Jew, and yet you've chosen to disregard Jewish regulations and live like a Gentile. 
While then, why then do you force those who are not Jews to conform to the regulations of Judaism? Although we're Jews by birth and not non-Jewish sinners, we know full well that we don't receive God's perfect righteousness as a reward from keeping the law, but by the faith of Jesus the Messiah, his faithfulness, not ours, has saved us, and we have received God's perfect righteousness. Now we know that God accepts no one by keeping of the religious laws. Peter, Peter is slipping back into his old ways of Jewish law where he, he's like, I can't eat with, with these people. Because my, my Jewish friends are here, and if they see me eating with them, I'm gonna, they're going to call me names or whatever, right? Like, I'm not allowed to do this. And, and Paul comes to him, and he's like, hold on, now you're all of a sudden acting like you're better than everybody else. Like, because you're a Jew and you keep the laws, you get to be the righteousness of God. That's not what, you, you know this, Peter, that's not what, that, this, that's not it. That's not what grace looks like. We all couldn't live under the law. We couldn't make it that way. So Jesus came, we received grace, and now we get to live life together. Not Jews and Gentiles, but together. And Paul calls him out on it. It's actually a moment in Peter's life where we see this, this time, really, where Peter's being, really, he's being racist. Like, he's being racist. He's kind of being a bigot. He, he's He's like, I, I, they're not good enough to be with me. I'm going to go over here and do something else. And Paul calls him out on it. And we could judge Peter for being a denier of Jesus or, or a person who lacked faith, a racist here in Galatians. All, all these are actual versions of Peter that we see in Scripture. Peter's old self is still part of his story. But when we look at Peter, those are not his defining attributes. We, we don't want to define Peter by his worst decisions. We see, I love the story of Peter because we see he's not perfect. We see him struggle with his faith. We see him struggle with how to actually engage that faith in relationship. He's, he, he's got this internal struggle that he battles with, and we see it in Scripture. We see that he wasn't this perfect Christian that, oh, man, look at Peter. Like, there's times where you're like, oh, man, look at Peter. But these old versions of himself are still parts of his story. They're just not his defining moments. I think the beauty of the life story we see of Peter throughout Scripture is that perfection is not the goal. It's not even attainable. Peter shows us that our faith journeys are oftentimes guided, challenged, and affected by our life's journeys and the realities that we face. Just like Peter, when I look back at my old versions of myself, I don't endorse everything that I taught in the past. I don't endorse everything that I did, all the versions of Chad, the way I engaged in some relationships, the way I treated some people. Of course not. I, I don't endorse those. But also that version of Chad was doing the best he knew how. With the trauma he carried, with the unhealth that he lived within, with the help that he did or didn't have. That was the best that that Chad knew how to do. Of course, I, I, don't, I don't endorse a lot of it. But I've had to learn to not judge that person, and I've had to learn to welcome him into my story. The more grace, the more compassion I've had welcoming those versions of Chad, saying, saying you know what, that, that was a couple Chads ago, and I, I really appreciate him and honor everything that he went through even though some of it was less than savory. 
He's, he is not those things. Yeah, he, he did some things that he wasn't proud of, but he isn't those things. Those aren't the defining moments of Chad. I'm not the worst of what I have done. I'm actually the beloved of God. So that gives me space to integrate the old versions of myself into my story. Because I don't, I don't look upon them with a posture of shame any longer. Even some of the worst things, most hurtful things in my life have become beautiful parts of my story. Uh, a lot of you may not know this, but um, on occasion, and it's like I did not expect this today, but <laughs> on occasion, my ex-wife and her family will come to church. And they're here today. <laughs> One of the hardest parts of our lives has now become a time and a, and a part of our story, a best part of our story of forgiveness and what reconciliation looks like. It's funny, we were talking yesterday with, uh, with Bethany, my ex-wife, with her sister, about like, yeah, this is my wife. Of course she does my wife's hair. Or this is my ex-wife. Of course she does my wife's hair. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Yeah, this is my ex-wife. Of course she comes to my church, listens to me preach. And some of you are like, what in the world? <laughs> some of you, this is your first time here, and you're like, never coming back here again. <laughs> this place is weird. But I was told in the moment, the worst moment of my life, I was told, you've lost it. God can never use you. You've lost your calling. It's, it's impossible for God to use you again. He still kind of likes you, but you messed up. And I, I, I don't, I mean, we're not blowing the doors off this place, but I, I think we're, we're doing a good job as a community of loving people well. And I get to do this. And there gets to be moments where great parts of my life, moments where I've made great decisions, I, I get to see them. And even moments where I've made terrible decisions are still part of the story of Chad. The different versions of me, the, the different aspects of what has brought me to this point now. Well, just like Peter, I don't think Peter would look back and look at everything that he did, even that we've recorded in Scripture. A lot of them we didn't, that I'm sure were not good. I don't think Peter would look back and be like, ah, oh, yeah. That's me, just the racist guy who denied Jesus. No, 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 Peter, there was beautiful moments in Peter's life where he, he got to walk out of that version, walk into a next version of who he is. I know your story might not have the things that mine has, but there may be things in your story that you're not proud of. Versions of yourself that you've had a hard time to reconcile with. Maybe beliefs that led to moments of not treating others well. Times where you look back and wonder, like, why did I believe that? Maybe the person you didn't treat well was yourself. It was a past version of you. There were beliefs that you were given that led to living in shame and guilt over not living up to certain criteria or maybe not being what they 
told you you had to be. I, I would say maybe it's time to forgive that version of you. Maybe it's time to be kind to past versions of yourself that didn't know the things that you now know. It's good to get to be in a place or get, get to a place where we can look back at our old versions of ourselves and not feel shame because that version of us was only doing the best they knew how. I got a little bit of time. I'm going to do this. <laughs> you are like, no, you don't. Super Bowl is not till like 530. Taylor Swift won't be on till like 547, so you're good. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give us a few moments to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. Maybe look back at past versions of who you were. Maybe past versions that you've carried in shame or unforgiveness for a long time. Versions of yourself that you've looked at and said, man, I, I don't want that to be my defining moment. It's not my defining moment. Maybe it's time to honor your past version and acknowledge that that version of you was only doing the best they knew how. With what they knew, what they believed, the trauma that they had. the hurt that they were in, that past version of yourself, maybe it's time to honor it. Honor that that is part of your story, but it's not your defining moment. That the hurt that you felt in that moment is not what defines you. But there's hope and there's reconciliation in this life. That that version of you that you just want to forget about can be forgiven too. Has been forgiven. It doesn't define you. Even if other people in your life see that version of you and say, no, that's who you are, you get to say, no, 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 that, that's, that's like Chad 3.0. We're at Chad 9.1 now. It's very different. Chad 3.0 did not know what he was doing. I think forgiving ourselves, releasing our past versions of us from carried shame can really set us free to experience the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the love that we've received through Jesus and that we walk in now. You can open your eyes. I hope that today you can leave here at least on a path of honoring past versions of yourself because they make up your story. And while acknowledging that, that those versions, those beliefs, those actions, they don't define the new version of you. I think the beauty of this is that we're all growing. We're all on our own faith journey that we call life. Peter was no different than you and I. He struggled. He made bad decisions. There were things in his life that affected who he was. There were beliefs that he held that, that then affected how he treated others. But we're given the opportunity to honor that past and move into a new. So today, I'm going to end this with this.
Go love yourself well. All versions of you. Because that is how we learn to love others well. Love you, Arsenal. We'll see you next week. Have a good time watching this game tonight. Go Cowboys. Thank you for listening. Our hope is that you feel loved and encouraged. If you have questions or need prayer, please email hello at thearsenal.church. And don't forget to download the Arsenal Church app.